feel like I can come to YouTube and if something is bothering me, I can just put it out there and I know I'm going to get uh, some some good, positive, helpful feedback. Uh, my friend Wendell, our friend Wendell, rather, he checks on me. And matter of fact, I had to get used to it because like he would be calling me sometime and I'd just be like jokingly. But I'd be like, man, what the hell you want? And he'd be like, I can't just check on my dog. And then I like, yeah, you know what? You can check on your dog. What's up, man? What's up? What up, what up, what up? It's Three Brothers No Sense, your favorite barbershop style podcast. I am Tavares Ferguson, a.k.a. Ferg. Join my co-host, Rozzy and Buff. Fellas, tell them what's on your mind. So, um, I, you, you guys know I talked about Vikings Valhalla uh, coming back at, for season two. So if you like Viking shows and that type of stuff, it, it's based on the original Vikings that was on the History Channel. So it's really about historical figures that uses names and all of this stuff. So it's pretty cool. But one part or one thread in this I finished it last night and it just blew my mind because I, I I had to bring myself to think about the the writer or the producer that's going in trying to pitch this and I just pictured some dude walking in to the executive office saying okay we've done Vikings everybody's done Vikings but how about we have Vikings that are Nazis and the executive's like God damn it, I'm in. Like, that's what season two was. It was the weirdest, most crazy thing, but it worked. And so it's actually a really, really good season. It's wild, but yes, they have a, a group of Vikings that are generally Nazis. So, you know, go check it out if you want to look a, a, at a little bit of a different take on Vikings and stuff like that. It's a really good storyline. It's really cool. So, um, but just talking about shows. Uh, hold oh, on. Ahead. So, so like, does it make them better? Like the Vikings weren't necessarily looked up to as like good guys anyway. Like they raped and pillaged. Now they rape and pillage and, uh, and hang people. I don't know what the, yeah. I mean, are well, they, are they well, lynching? No, no, uh, pretty much. Yeah, they do. They do kind of hang some folks, but it, it's you got to think about Vikings were the folks that went out on raids. Right. But you had Viking culture, the city and stuff that was back at home was which was just normal women, children, you know, religious practices and all of that. So it's about the Norse people, not necessarily just about Vikings. Um, and so you get a little bit of that. And that's where the political structure of it comes in. So that's what the show general about so, so so they rape and pillage but they save but they so, save like yeah that's what they're trying to do <laughs> god dang it Rizzi. he, he rapes all right. but he saves <laughs> alright my bad continue sir yeah uh, the other thing that I had to talk about was uh, BMF and Charles so I don't know if y'all know about BMF and the, it came back for season 2 and I just want to say the dad is trash Meech, Meech and Terry Dad is trash. Um, mm. Just throw it out. I'm gonna leave it at that. No spoilers. See, see, Ferg, I'm getting better. I, I was gonna, but let's let's go there. <laughs> oh, okay, we can go there. What, no, I'm gonna <laughs> tell you why I don't it. like that. I'm gonna tell you why. Why when the dad hit me? Because the mama kind of trashy too. But <laughs> when he had a chance to smash, he pulled he out the credit card bill. <laughs> <laughs> Like that's how I, somebody put it on the post earlier. That that's an anger I never want to feel. Where I, I'm so mad I turned out. <laughs> I never want to reach that level of anger. It's like nah, I'm good. Let me start this argument. Especially if you haven't been getting it and you've been complaining about not getting it, and now she's trying to give it to you. Yeah, she all dolled up, ready to uh, get her junk off. And now I would have brought the credit card. I'm would have brought the credit card bill up later I mean it's not like you not smashing is not going to pay the credit card bill like the credit card bill is still there you might as well get you something and still be broke yeah yeah and angry sex is like some of the best sex anyway 
it was a thing back in the day. It was a whole thing. Like, you know, we're young, you know, like you mad at me, I'm mad at you. Let's go smash. Yep. yep. But now I never want to reach that level of my life. Take me now, Lord. Yeah. All right, my bad. Continue. <laughs> no, nah, man, Daddy that's all trash. I got. I um, I, I, I well, actually, uh, it just came up last night. But if, did you guys see about Shannon Sharp and the Memphis Grizzlies and all of that? Like yeah. that was wild, man. Like Uncle Shannon was like, "Nah, he ain't having it." But he ain't really want that smoke though, for real. Ooh, I beg uh, to differ. I think he did. I, I, I think they don't want that smoke, bro. I'll put my money on Shannon yeah. any day. <laughs> yeah, that, that's a big boy. Look yeah, at those hands. Still, yeah. <laughs> Smoking a cigar. Because he's not scared to lose, too. Like, I feel like he's one of those dudes at a fight. And he might take it. He might take that. Because it was like three of them, right? Yeah. He'll take yeah. the L, but his L ain't going to be as big as at least one of them. Somebody's <laughs> going to come out on the, 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 the bad end of that stick. Like, somebody's going to catch the worst of it. So, and he's fine. He'll go smoke his cigar a day later. Them boys. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. They 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 they'll be out a couple games at least. Yeah. After that scrap. Mm-hmm. What you got for us, Buff? Um grand opening, grand closing. Uh we we congratulated Ed Reed on the Bethune Cookman uh head coaching job, and now he's no longer the coach. Uh he did make a video that went somewhat viral criticizing uh, the the facilities and everything like that. And now I think earlier today or maybe even yesterday, he just announced that they're not going to ratify his contract. So he won't be the coach. Um, also, I have been, you guys know I've been watching old sitcoms, Martin. I just started back watching Rock again. And it just hit me uh, because of something I saw on Twitter, man. We really do, and it, I guess I shouldn't say it just hit me, but we really do get used in a sense, and then just kind of thrown away. Like the network Fox, okay, when they started out, they were like, hey, we're going to serve the underserved. You know, we're going to have Martin and Living Single and New York Undercover and Rock, you know, the black audience that these other networks aren't really serving like that. And then once they got big enough to bid on the NFL games and got the NFL, then it was like, okay, we need to broaden our audience. Like, we, we got our popularity, we got our money, now we need to broaden our audience and cater to white people. You saw the same thing with And One. If you watch the And One documentary, a lot of black bodies used to make a lot of money for these white men. And then at the end of the day, they kept pretty much all the money. And the majority of those black players ended up broke with nothing. And it brought me, what made me think of all this is what's happened with, uh, have you guys heard of Mayel? Uh, I think I'm pronouncing it right, but it was a black-owned hair product that black women were loving. Yeah, yeah. And they just announced <laughs> that they are going to be partner partnering with Procter & Gamble. And a lot of black women, from the comments I've seen, feel betrayed because they're like, Procter & Gamble, they're going to change the ingredients. It's going to be watered down. And I think some white girls like made a, a viral TikTok video using it. And so they wanted they wanted to be more included in the brand and stuff. So they're like, yeah, Procter & Gamble are going to cater to them now. So if all that is true, it's like, once again, we get used up, even, even if it's a black-owned company. We saw BET do this. You know, it was owned by Bob Johnson and then sold to Viacom, and now it's a bunch of buffoonery. Not that BET was like this great beacon of intellectual programming, but they did have some... <laughs> you know, some type of substance uh, substance program. But now it's just like, uh, what is the, the college, uh, those college reality shows or whatever they be having? It's like a, a lot of buffoonery. But once again, we get used up. And then once they get that money, they forget about it. So just wanted to uh, put that frustration out there that I saw. And last but not least, Razio, you posted about The Last of Us. I just want to make sure everybody know The Walking Dead finally ended. I don't yeah. know if anybody knows that. People stopped watching it. They finally brought it to a conclusion. It's a happy ending. Uh, and I know, Razio, you said that. It was funny, too, because you was like, The Last of Us is like the new Walking Dead. <laughs> and Marquise was like, is that good or bad? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, just wanted to put those out there, man. Yeah, The Last of Us is actually really good, man. It, it's It's... 
it reminds me of season one, season two of The Walking Dead um, before they started drawing it out and started mm-hmm. worrying about shock value. That's really what happened with The Walking Dead. They they went away from the actual like and and it was rinse and repeat, right? Every season was generally the same thing yes. with a different group. Yeah. So yeah. that and and in order to keep people interested, they just started like killing people off changing what you know was happening in the comic books and i think that's a lot of what happens most times is you got an audience that wanted to watch this because they knew of the, the source material or whatever that was kind of like what you were talking about with using the source and the, the people who really support it and then shifting to a, that broader audience that's exactly what they do that's what dc did dc like takes all of these classic freaking storylines and it's like hey let's switch it up because we're making a new movie instead of just doing what Marvel does and says, let's make the storyline that everybody loved. Yeah, we're going to tweak one, two things here, but generally we're telling the story from the comic book uh, because we know people really, really liked it. DC just messed that up and I think that's what The Walking Dead did. There, the But The Last of Us their showrunner is like no we know it's limited series we know we only got about two or three seasons in us uh we're making it basically we're we're recreating the video game and that's it uh and so a lot of the dialogue a lot of the scenes and everything are straight out of the video game and Mm -hmm. so that's what i think is making it like really hit home with a lot of people because those video game developers and and even you know when they write the the comics and stuff they they know that source material really well so it, it it's it's gonna be good man i i got faith in this one okay i i got two things real quick first of all uh your boy um in georgia santos <laughs> what do you do now? he's in georgia oh i'm not in georgia what is he he's uh he's from new york from new york i don't know why yeah. i think of georgia oh george oh but the thing about it is uh this dude can't win for losing. So you know, uh he he bashed uh, the or applauded the the Florida anti-gay bill and all stuff, but now he's there's footage of him being a drag queen that was coming out and which he, he has not, denied. Yeah. He denied, but it's like, "Oh, really? Be- Look at this." Like they they pulled his card. I think he finally did he finally admit to it now? I haven't seen the admission. Uh, but I, I felt like he was gonna try the tactic of, uh, you know, the Republican tactic of, this is the media coming after me now. It's it's the media. It's us versus the media. So that's what I've been seeing a lot of. But if he admitted to that, then that's <laughs> that's big. Yeah, would that so, would that change his base and turn his base off? You know, I know we feel like you know Republican voters stick with. Uh, their candidate no matter what. I will say when it comes to, and I'm not criticizing them, I'm just stating what happened. When it comes to them, remember Larry Craig? Okay, they were, Republican Party forgive a lot of things, but it seems like when it comes to gay behavior, then they don't mind throwing you out. So when Larry Craig had the bathroom incident and, and Trent Lott said, this is unforgivable. I'm like, wow, that's 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 what's unforgivable. Okay, all right. So, we'll see. They may be more willing to uh, if he if he's admitted to it, like first said, they may they may be more willing to uh, say, "Hey, man, it's your time to go ahead and step down." Yeah, we'll see how that pans out. I mean, he's been very popular with all these accusations for the last couple of weeks now, and none of that seemed to have. Um, Swayed anybody, but like you said, this might be the last straw. Because what we're not going to have is any is the gays, as a Republican, a lot of Republicans might call it, representing them and teaching their kids these, you know, these behaviors or whatever. Because it's gonna, it's gonna, he's gonna have some backlash now. There's definitely gonna be some backlash. It's gonna be very interested to see what Fox how Fox News plays this. Do they defend them? Do they sweep it under the rug? Well, they they're not gonna bring up the drag. I mean, it, they'll treat it like they did with Giuliani. Like they never mentioned that with Giuliani. Okay, it didn't exist. Big one <laughs> of our imagination. Yeah. Okay. And um, last but not least, I want to go back to Ed Reed. Um, I've seen mixed comments on it. 
not gonna say mixed emotions. I think there's always two sides to every story. Uh, first of all, I'll say this as a proud HBCU graduate, BCC didn't need you, right? Is they'll be okay. They're still going to be Bethune Cookman. It's almost like what they did with Dion when they were saying, you're not swag. You're not, you're not HBCU. You don't understand some of the challenges and things that are going on, but that's still not an excuse for it to be going on. So I'm not just saying, Hey, sweep it under the rug but at the same time when you go into a situation like that you it's best that you understand because if your expectations are a in the reality is two like you're not even you're not even counting i mean you know then there's the disconnect and so when you approach things like that and you take on a leadership role and you take on that role like you you almost say hey i'm i'm going to play i'm going to play this out i'm going to see i want to take some things to the grave with me i understand what i'm going going up against i'm not just going to put all your stuff out there my goal is not to slander you um the same thing i said when Dion talked about the the bowl game of mobile is you don't gotta go. You don't gotta go ham. I mean, if you're gonna go ham, you you back it up and you 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 like we used to do with the AAR. You know, you you kind of layer it. Mm-hmm. Like this sucks. Here, this here's what happened. This sucks, but here's some other good stuff. Like Ed Reed ha- hasn't said anything positive about the school, about the Hicks experience. I mean, I think at the end of the day, it wasn't gonna work out. Once he's when he, once he opened his mouth the first time. It was downhill from there. So I'm not saying hide the stuff, but if you're going to put it out there, you need to also try to protect it as well and try to do better. And it seemed like a lot of his stuff was for his personal gain. And just complaining rather than trying to bring attention and saying, hey, here are some of the problems. We're going to work through this. I'm not here for A, B, C and D. I'm here for the, the students. I'm here for the athletes. I'm here for the experience. I'm here to build the culture and bring back the prominence to HBCU, whatever it was. But everything it seemed like he said was negative. So, yeah, I, I, we were we talking about you. this a little bit. We were talking about this a little bit before we started recording. And um, I, I was saying he tried to come in on that Dion calling out the stuff, but he just didn't have the charisma and the ability to be able to do it in a way that sounded like it was being helpful right like he cared um that's the issue i think the most part you know if he had been out there picking up that trash himself and talking about you know not necessarily the the school didn't and look at what they gave me but hey we got to take care of our um you know our field we got to take care of our facilities i'm out here i'm i'm challenging every student on this campus if you see something see some trash pick it up we got to maintain it blah 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 that would have been a different take rather than the school's not supporting look at this trash look at this you know how these facilities look blah 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 blah. it came off like you said negative to the point where it's like you don't want to be here my guy that's what yeah. it sounds like yeah it's just like looking at the black community like you can go in the average black community there's gonna be there's gonna be a difference in economics and stuff like that so you, if all you do is trash the black community it's like look at all these beer bottles and all this stuff and all these rundown. It's like, dude, there are some there's some challenges and we need to reach. We need to come together and reach back out and bring our community up. There's a lot of great kids and fam. Like now, I'm hearing you. You acknowledge, hey, we're not gonna act like this great, but we got to acknowledge the problem. Talk about the solution. How you're involved in the solution. But if you've never been in that, if you've never been or accepted that or a part of that, then it's just you're just gonna keep calling it out. So. Buff, I felt like I, I cut you off. Sorry about that, sir. No, no, I, I, you got. I said everything. I'm good. Uh, yeah. All righty. Um, with that being said, no, no, no. She, she, she is um, in Mobile uh, at at uh, Addie's birthday party. So she's living her best life. They uh, turned the house into a club, and um, so they are doing all kind of craziness down there, uh, living their best life with the girls. So uh, y'all got me, but um. Shout out to Addie. Happy birthday. Um, Happy birthday, Addie. Happy and, birthday. And 
and so with that man uh yeah i got i got a pretty good one i think um so it's real simple dad joke for you uh what does a deaf deaf gynecologist do the other way around they read lips Hmm. Oh. <laughs> 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 ah, we're just going dark these last two jokes. I know, right? Like, <laughs> I gotta get them out because these are the ones Sophie can't tell. <laughs> oh god. If you're gonna if you're gonna go there, you're just like you know. Yeah, man. Uh, uh, now, oh god. If you're riding in the car with your kid and they just ask you, mommy, what lips is he talking about? Email Razio. Yes. And let him know. Can you put a disclaimer read, read, this joke? Reading, is reading lips is a normal thing that deaf people do. I don't understand. Mm-hmm. See, y'all yeah. made it dirty. Oh, it's us. Yeah, yeah. It's mm-hmm. us. Okay. Yeah. Right. So this is the joke that Sophie couldn't tell? But we made right. it dirty. Yeah. Okay. It's 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 like when you go to the um uh-huh. to like kids' uh-huh. movies and stuff and they have like adult humor in there. It's supposed to be over the kids' heads. But it's supposed to be for the parents so that they can be like, ah, I see what you did there. So that's that's kind of what we did here. That's what we did. Oh, there's no we in there. It's you. <laughs> <laughs> it's all you. <laughs> all right. Let's go ahead and do it. Three Brothers No Sense, your favorite barbershop style podcast. It's question time. Once again, when you guys hear the questions, it's when we hear the questions. So who's up first? Either you or Rosie. I can go. Mine might be pretty quick. Or um, we always know, say that. I do, mm-hmm. I do, but I, I think this one may be uh, kind of quick because um, it's I'm asking for a single instance, but uh, maybe you guys will have more. Um, you know, you oh. know, we always around this time start talking or thinking about finances and that type of stuff. People getting their tax returns. People are going to get bonuses in a little bit if you if you're on a bonus structure from your job, that type of thing. And so um, I wanted to ask you fellas, and I, I think we talked about this way, way, way back, but I wanted to kind of bring it back up, especially for the inspire you on air folks that's listening. Shout out to you guys. But um, I want to know what was the worst financial decision that you've ever made in your life? Um, I severely overpaid for my second vehicle. Uh, it was a, I think it was a 1992 Jeep Cherokee, aka the Baby Hummer. Baby Hummer. <laughs> yeah, um, I severely overpaid for that. Uh, it was a, it was a circumstance where um, my Stanza had died abruptly on me, and I needed a vehicle. And I was young, didn't really know any type of negotiating tactics, or anything, or the value of a vehicle, or anything like that, and. Clearly, my mom didn't either. <laughs> I was expecting her to maybe know these things because I didn't. And, you know, I, I got the Jeep and then, you know, you start like really looking around and at, at, at prices of, of the vehicle that you have. And it's like, oh, man, I'm way overpaid for this motherfucker. Yeah. So that I was very, very so. And then it like wound up giving me some problems here and there. So. Uh, I may have a better um, example as you guys start talking, but that one comes to mind first. I think I was about maybe 19 or 20. So it was a bad, and it was all on me because, you know, I was paying my own car note. So it was, it was a bad, bad financial decision. Yeah. But that, that kind of goes a little bit to the cost of being poor, right? Uh, People Mm -hmm. talk about that, but uh, that was pre-internet for one. So it's not like you could have went out and price matched and looked at what was there. Um, And when you don't have access to calling around, verifying, right? Having a Mm. second car to be able to drive until you find something else or insurance that could give you a rental for a week or two and stuff like that. Like that caused you to have to hurry up quickly, make a decision, go to the nearest little used car shop around or two or three that you knew had access to because you had driven by it. uh, And then you got price gouged, right? Like Mm -hmm. that's what happens when, you know, you're in those situations. And your credit probably was all over the place. And so you probably couldn't qualify. So I'm going to get mine and then I'm going to follow up because you hit on some stuff when you talk about your mom didn't know any better. So 
mine was and I'll say two the same situation one I, I I guess wasn't too bad the first one was just stupid every time I cashed out my 401k mm. every mm. time I cashed out my 401k because I'm young this money's sitting here it's it's there and retirement's so far away right yeah. So the first time I cashed it out is when I moved from Tallahassee to Houston. Cashed it out. Might have had six, seven thousand dollars. I don't know. I think after after all the you know uh, fees and all the stuff, penalties and all the stuff, I might have got like six, seven thousand dollars. And that went fast. Like I just I just spent it. You know, nothing to show for it. And within by the within a couple of months I was broke again you know um, it might have made more sense to cash it out when I was broke rather than cashing it out as it's something to have like a because I was leaving a company in my mind like well my money's sitting there let me go ahead and get it and I came to Houston you know put it down paid on an apartment all that stuff was going out eating drinking you know working getting my business and stuff together and just spending money with no real plan and the second time is when um, Z was pregnant with Sky, and I wanted to get a new car, but I knew I didn't want to pay a car note. And so that's when I bought her the Santa Fe that still runs today, you know? So I just bought that, paid cash for it, but would it have been better off with a, just a car note or whatever the case may be just to have that money? What would they have done for me today? I just didn't want to pay a car note. Um, up until this point, I don't think I had ever had a car note before. I think that was a big no. Actually, I had just got the Sonata, so I didn't want to have two car two notes. Two car notes, yeah. You know, so maybe it made a little more sense in that than that 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 uh, that position because Z wasn't working enough to afford a car note. I wanted her to have something that was dependable as you know my wife and the mother of my child and her car wasn't there but that that was it you know those those were two big ones but back to what i was saying with you buff a lot of that comes down to rising like you said the i guess just being poor you know like it, it, the result of being poor and it's just not the financial sense it's the resources it's the fact that a lot of us couldn't go back to anybody. Dude, you were my, even to this day, to a certain extent, like you were my financial guide and we were the same age. I couldn't yeah. go to my mom and dad or people to ask financial advice, help to get a loan, to get anything, to get ahead. And it's no, it's nothing against them. It's just, they didn't have it. So a lot of those decisions was just, I feel like I had to do what was best and make a decision and I didn't have any other alternatives, but I might have, I don't know. You know, it was just, I don't even think I told you I catch up my 401k when I moved to Houston. You probably would have told me not to do it. <laughs> probably. Uh, I think, I think you told me it was okay for the car, but probably, uh, not so much for the, just to move to Houston because yeah, yeah. yeah. Like that, and that again, like you said, it's it's that knowing when it makes sense and when not, and and like you were talking about, I'm kind of still kind of your financial advisor. I know I know I'm frustrated a lot of times when you guys call or or anybody calls me and it's like, hey, what should I do? And I don't give an answer. I give scenarios, and it's so difficult because I never want to be the one to tell you exactly what to do. I want to tell you the impact of what you're doing. And then you make the informed decision based on that, right? It's like, hey, if you want to refinance, here's the good of it. Here's the bad of it, right? If you want to cash out your 401k, here's the good of it. Here's the bad of it. You you, you got to double up on your retirement because that means that you're 10, 15, $20,000 less um, in your retirement account if you cash out that, that retirement account. So it's, you know, any financial planner that's telling you exactly what to do every time, um, I, for me, I never wanted to be that because I didn't want that responsibility of, of saying, here's exactly what you want to do uh, type thing, right? It, because I'm, I'm working with a lot of people that don't have a whole lot of money, right? They don't have that risk. And I want to make sure that if they are 
uh, whatever risk tolerance that they have, that we're taking all of that in consideration. So I got to give them all the scenarios. I can't just say, oh, do this based off of what I think is the best for your risk uh, tolerance. I want you to understand, here's your risk tolerance. I think you can go a little bit riskier. So here's what I suggest. But within you know reason, here's another option for you if you want you know more conservative option for you. So I'm, I always give the options and let you guys kind of pick. But that's not having that from a lot of people. Um, uh, you know, like you said, your family and everything, that's that generational wealth. That's that, that part that, that not just, oh, I'm passing down wealth as in money, but financial management is another piece of that generational wealth. Like people who had money before, who have gone and got loans, who have went through and done this, right. We're going to have those conversations with our kids, even the resources, to be able to do it. Yeah. Even the resources to put them with a banker. I know. Um, I was talking to my line brother Derek probably like a year, year and a half ago when one day and just talking about some of the pressures I put on myself and he's like, Brother, you've done such a great job. If 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 you were to leave the world to like pretty much if you were to leave the world tomorrow, your kids would be better off with the wealth of knowledge. I mean, just the things you have provided than you were. Yeah. Just because of the people not just the money, like they could lose all the money, but just the people that you've met, that you've been around, the be able to connect them with a you and a but like to be able to guide them. They know that there's people there that can help them. And unfortunately, a lot of us don't have that. Yeah. Yeah. The network we build. That's another. Yeah, that's definitely a a huge part of it. Right. Being able to kind of tap somebody on the shoulder. My my daughter wants to uh, get into this industry. Can they come and shadow you? Can they do this? Can they do that? Like, that's another piece of it. So, but um, Uh, uh, hold hold on. This reminds me. um, Once again, I was talking to one of my one of my chapter bros. And it's a story. When we were in undergrad, people were going to the career fair. And they asked him, was he going? Is like, no, that's something poor people and first generation college students do. It's true. I hate to say it. It's so true. He's like, he's like, if I want a job somewhere, I can get with my family and they know somebody that's going to be able to play, help place me. Like I, I can, we have the connections to, like you said, if I want to get into banking, I want to do this like, hey, let me call Rizzi and see if, uh, his company has an internship or something you know those are the things and, yeah. and, and, and not, not just not just does my company have it but Rizzi what can it? reach out yeah. and, and chat the person that's over the internship and be like yo here's one uh my, my niece's resume my you know my, my goddaughter's yeah. resume um can you put her on and like almost instantly yeah. because not only have you networked with me you've networked with somebody who networks, right? Like I have a network. So you get to my expanded network, not just your network. Yeah. And uh, when I heard it then, it was appalling. (laughs) It was uh, humbling because I was one of those kids that had to go to the job fair. I still didn't get a job, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know? (laughs) Mm -hmm. But that's real, so... I'm bad. My bad. Cut. Keep going. No, uh, no. I just sake of time. I wanted to throw my answer out there uh, because mine was. Um, I, I think I've mentioned it before, but I bought the condo sight unseen. So. Well, shit. That, yeah, that was a horrible, horrible financial decision, right? Like I spent one hundred and eighty thousand dollars on a condo that I had never seen. So story behind it is uh, I was with the military. I was gone with the military at the time. I had went and saw one of the other units. So I knew the layout. I knew what the condo generally looked like. I knew the view. I knew everything about it. Um, but I hadn't seen that unit. But I told them that I didn't want a floor level unit. Uh, and so what happened was one of the other units came open and I was gone. And it was kind of one of those hot mar- markets where, hey, you got to get in and see it or whatever. So Gigi went and saw it. And she was like, yeah, it, it's cool, but there it, it needs a little work here and there. But she didn't kind of describe it to me as, as much as I kind of. So I didn't put my mind around it, how much work it actually needed. Uh, and so I went in kind of bidding on like what I would have bid on the other condo or the other unit, not thinking about the work that needed to go into the condo. And so that was just something that, you know, just understanding that when you buy something that large, it's not just about 
the building or whatever you got to think about what other stuff you got to put into it right like what ing- up improvements how you really want to make it look and everything and what's that going to cost to do that and and so it cost me probably like you say thousands tens of thousands of extra dollars to get the condo how i wanted it versus that other unit that i saw that i, I probably could have got for the same price so that that's just you know, a cautionary tale. Don't do that. When the housing market was hot, people were doing crazy things like buying homes and not getting them expected because it was so much competition out there. So it was a lot of that type yeah. of stuff going on. And mm-hmm. sometimes you get FOMO. The fear <laughs> yeah. of missing out. Yeah, you, you you jump you jump on it. You know, you don't want to be the person who's sitting there left behind when Rizy you know, like, hey, when we got back from Afghanistan, you should try to buy a house, you know, I missed out, you know. So now when things like that come up again, you don't want to be that person is that, man, I'm always second guessing myself. Let me go ahead and do it. And you, you miss out on that, that opportunity. You know, somebody missed out on Google. Somebody missed out on uh, Coca-Cola. Like somebody missed out on every big, mm-hmm. you know, investment ever to come up. I missed out on um, crypto year. Ed, my line brother Ed put me on crypto years before. I mean, I think we might have still been going to the doctor for Sky. Sky's got doctor appointment when she, Z was pregnant with her. And I'm like, mm, that don't sound right. And I could have bought Bitcoin for. It still don't sound right to me. <laughs> God knows what you know. Yeah. I didn't have to stay in, but you know. Mm. You did make me think of one though. Um, in the beginning, when I started at TSA, first government job, they was telling us about TSP and mm-hmm. the G fund, the S fund, the C fund, and I left my shit parked in G fund. I'm like, look, I ain't gotta worry about that right now. I got plenty of time. I'll, I'll worry about that later. And years just passed, money just sitting in the G fund, not making any money until I finally talked to a coworker. He's like, loser. Man, you better put your money in the C fund. And, and, and like Rosie knows, I've been showing him the gains I've been making since, but I still, I try not to, but I still dwell on the money that I didn't make all those years that it sat in the G fund. Mm-hmm. So, so that, and I think I told you guys before, you know, Tabitha and I got married when we were 25. She had been going to school. She was getting grants up until then. And then once we got married. She couldn't get my, them anymore. <laughs> right. Yep. And yep. she wound up having to get loans. And like, can't blame anybody, but it would have been nice to have somebody say, hey, man, hey, why don't y'all wait till she finished school? And we wouldn't have had to pay those tens of thousands of student loans that we wound up paying back. So those are two okay. more. Yeah, those are really good ones. Like not thinking through what happens when you get married and everything like that. Yeah, like we can we can still be together for this next year and a half and be engaged, but let's wait. (laughs) (sighs) Good question, man. Thanks, man. Yep, didn't take as long as you. (laughs) Oh, and short. Yeah, it wasn't as short as I thought. (laughs) That's what I'm saying. Didn't take as long as you thought, huh? No, that was that was a good one. Um. Let me jump into mine. Uh, how do I want to word this? How many times on this show do you think we've said, check on your your strong friends, check on the strong ones? Mm. Ooh, a lot. Yeah. A lot. And you, we hear that a lot now, right? That's almost like cliche, right? It is. It is. And Byron, you talk about this a lot, empty words. You know, like, I'm, I'm going to pray for you. And people don't pray. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm thinking about you. I ain't thinking about you. Check on your strong friends. I, I consider both of you guys strong. Do you think that word is getting out? How many people are reaching out to you guys regularly to check on you? Who's just calling you, man? I'm just, just calling to check in. And is that are these just empty words, more cliche sayings? Are people calling you to check or checking up on checking in on you? And are you doing the same? Are you are you more the caller or the callee? So I don't know if this is <clears throat> implied in that saying or not. But I, I, as you ask the question, I wonder: Is it like 
geared more towards people that are not married or in a, a, a healthy relationship. Because I think for, for a lot of people, if you have a strong friend, one, you feel like they're strong so you don't have to check on them as much, which is why we're pushing the whole, you still need to check on them because even though they're strong, it's still nice to have someone check on you. But then also they're looking at it as well, their sp- they have their spouse to lean on. So if they're going through anything, they have their spouse. So I think for me, I I definitely, I know I don't, <laughs> we kind of use this show, the three of us, at least yeah. for me, the three of us, we kind of use this show as like, you know, especially before we start recording, we usually shoot the shit for a couple of minutes and that's kind of like, and then we text throughout the week. We text mm-hmm. throughout the week. And so I think the three of us had a relationship to where we don't even need a prompt. I don't need Ferg to say, hey, is everything okay? I feel like I can come to YouTube and if something is bothering me enough, I can just put it out there and I know I'm going to get uh, some some good, positive, helpful feedback. Uh, my friend Wendell, our friend Wendell rather, he checks on me. And matter of fact, I had to get used to it because like he would be calling me sometime and I'd just be like, jokingly, but I'd be like, man, what the hell you want? And he'd be like, I can't just check on my dog? And then I'm like, yeah, you know what? You can check on your dog. What's <laughs> up, man? What's up? But, you know, it's like you're so used to people only calling when they want something that I had to get used to that. Uh, I know I do try to check on our friend Sherman, uh, even though he, he is married. It's just that everything he's dealt with, with the 17 and a half years being in prison and just he had to hit the ground running when he got out of jail. And so I always try to periodically, especially when I don't hear from him for a while, I check on him. Hey man, everything good? You all right? You know what's going on? Things like that. Uh, But I think in addition to, like I said, in addition to having a friend that you think is strong, if they're married, I think that also makes people hesitate and say, okay, they all right. Like I may have some friends that say, Byron got tapped. So not only is he strong, but he got tablets. So if anything wrong, she got him and she'll let us know if it's if it's something beyond something she can handle. So I think that's another phase of the check on your strong friends that we probably need to also address that just because they have somebody like and sometimes the spouse may not quite know how to handle it or, or deal with it or may not notice it because sometimes especially men. We try to hide certain things yep. from our yep. spouse, not to come across as weak. So that's something to think about too when it comes to checking on your strong friends. Yeah, and yeah, you mentioned people you check on and people that check on you. And for me, it was more so trying to figure out who's calling you. You know, like it doesn't have to be you're on the verge of a nervous breakdown or committing suicide. Like, like you said, when Wendell's like, "Can I call and check on my boy?" Just in that moment, you just your your guard got let down and you made you feel better. It's just to to think that somebody was thinking about you. Good, bad, or indifferent. And we all know, you know, let's put it this way, 50% of marriages end in divorce. So it's, it's easy to assume that 50% of your friends who are married are going through something that, you know, unless that, your friends that, that are just has a to do with that spouse and yeah, they may you know, they need to talk about with you. Yep. And so or it could just be to vent about something to just to know somebody else is thinking about. They might not tell you what's going on with them, but it's just, man, just, I'll just let you know I'm thinking about you, man. Just everything good. And after the second or third time you check in on them, that's when they might open up because they know that you truly are calling just to say like, hey, you good, man? Just checking in on you. How's it going? You know how to wipe, how the kids, you know, what's, what's up? So. Uh, rising. Let's go. My bad. I yeah, mean no. That that's kind of what you guys were saying. Um, I was actually gonna specifically call out call out Wendell. Um, uh, because you He's know great. Wendell is one that will will be in a text message there and he won't respond or whatever. But Wendell will call and check on you. He'll call and be like, "Yo, yeah. what's going on? I just want to check on you, see how everything's going." So that Wendell is one that definitely does that. You you guys do the same thing. Um, but for just like you were asking about, are we the caller or the callee? I'm real bad about calling and checking in. Like if, if something happens, I call if something I, that I, I physically see happens, but just a random, Hey, checking in on you. How's it going? Um, like Buff said, I think this is a little bit 
of a cheat code for us because we mm-hmm. know we're going to talk at least once a week right we know we're going to sit and shoot yeah. this for 20 30 minutes before we start recording um so it's an easy one for us but i think like for you call me outside of that a lot and just be like hey how's it going um and and so you know i've got to get better at doing that exact same thing with my friends it's like just calling outside of just a normal chats and stuff like that um and you know granted i'm busy but i do have to make that i've i've found myself thinking through making sure that i'm there for people way more often uh than i have in the past and mainly i think uh really after jen passed and just see how many people came and showed up for me uh like i wasn't a big going to funeral person before jen passed um, I, 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 you know, I, I, I hated going to funerals unless it was somebody that was like really, really close to me. I'd go for the family, but it wouldn't be like a, Hey, one of my coworkers or, or one of the bros that's not like my, my close, close bruh that, you know, we hang out a lot, but I do know him. It's one of my chapter bros that, you know, I see him on occasion and stuff, but I've gotten a lot more intentional about trying to go to those funerals, uh, because I, I know how it felt when people showed up for me. Uh, and just being able to look out and, and see that wave of people and, and everything. And, and so just that one extra body at the funeral is a big deal to me. Mm-hmm. Like now I understand just that one extra body, just me being there. Like I ain't got to say nothing to them. Because, uh, you know, I talked about how a, a little bit of it is me just feeling awkward in social settings, like not knowing what to say, not knowing what to do. Uh, but now I'm coming to the realization that I don't have to really say anything. I don't have to do anything. I just got to be present. I just got to be there. And that makes a huge difference for them. And I think when you talk about just show, just calling in, like, I'm just checking on you. Like, I don't have to say anything. We ain't got to have a whole long conversation. I'm just calling to check on you. How's everything? If you need anything, I'm here. That type of thing. Uh, is it, it makes a big difference. So I, I, I think that is one of, like, the shortcomings for me. I, I got to get better at it. I just want to add, if you're also someone like Rozzy that... You know, you, for whatever reason, you you don't like funerals. You can't do them. If you can still just make it, you know, to like if you're out of town to their city or their home, I think just being present, like you said, Rosie, just helped. Like I think about how, you know, how how devastating losing Jenica was, but how we had moments like at your house to just somewhat distract you for a minute or two here or there and just, you know, uh, laugh about something or talk about something completely different like I feel like that helps as well so even if you don't do funerals just come in town come and be there for that person and maybe you can be just like a welcome distraction for them yep definitely yeah I mean it's just speaking of funerals I remember you know last year you know my grandmother my dad just back to back and there were people that showed up, especially my dad's funeral, that I didn't even know were coming. Like when people, my particular my line brother, uh, T Bell, Ball, and Action again, just like I remember Ball calling me and was asking me about which hotel should he stay at. Should he stay at this one um, off of I forgot in Westmobile or she's in Sarah? And I'm like, what are you talking about? Like I had no idea that he was showing up and coming to support me and Wendell and I had this kind of epiphany or this thought process a few weeks ago when um, I think it might have been when Wendell got out it was around the time that this kind of popped in my mind when he you know was coming back home from his uh, treatment and it's like this dude calls me way more than I call him he's a better friend to me than I am to him hands down no questions asked and I have several of those and this is probably when he needed me the most. And I could have picked up the phone and called him a couple more times just to check in on him, you know, and it's not a guilt trip or whatever. It's just like it made me think. Are we calling to check on those strong people or, you know, is it just empty, empty words? You know, somebody ch- checking on him once a week. How, how's treatment going? You know, that's a lot. You know, somebody made their you know, there's and there's people now that I when I sat back and thought about it, if if I don't hear from them a week or two, I think something's wrong just because I'm so used to them calling me, you know, just to check in or whatever the case may be. Then it also made me think of like some of the people that and it's not a you this person loves me more. It's just sometimes the white way we're wired. Right. It is what it is. You know, there's a lot of people I just don't call. 
but there's some people who just you know that call me consistently I, I you know i just know like this person's gonna call me i know this person's gonna call me and this person's gonna call at least once a month once every every other month just to check in just to have a little conversation and when i thought about it, i'm like that 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 means a lot you know just checking on you especially during those time, hard times you know when my dad and grandmother died i had people calling me and texting me consistently just to Hey brother, just checking on you, man. Hope you hope, hope all is well. You just never know. So, with that being said, I appreciate all the the callers and the texters and people who just check in on on me. And hopefully, I can return the favor. And I just challenge our listeners to not just say empty words and not take it as empty. A challenge: call and check on your 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 people. Call and check on the strong people. Even if it's just hey, man, I'm just calling to check on you what's going on you you never know what's going on with people and it can be everything can be great but it still helps it's still it's still needed you know and I, and maybe it's maybe it's the generation now where we don't we don't people like to talk on the phone anymore yeah you know mm-hmm. like people are like why is he why is he calling me why is she calling me why doesn't she text because I want to talk to you <laughs> right <laughs> So, um, I don't know. Good question, man. I mean, yeah. Uh, how are we looking at on time? Uh, 51 minutes. So it, it'll have to be a quick one if we do another question. All right. We'll see if this is quick. So, um, we all hear the saying, nobody's perfect, uh, which is pretty much known. And we just celebrated our MLK day earlier this week. And I think I told you guys before that I was a little surprised at some of the criticism that he's gotten over the last several years with, uh, you know, people bringing up his infidelity and things like that. Um, But it did happen. So it is a part of his story. It is a part of his complete legacy. My question to you guys is when or is it ever okay to criticize dead heroes people that are not here to defend themselves so like an mlk or like a malcolm x or anyone who you know a lot of people look up to and and say did great things but we all know everybody's flawed so when do you think it's okay or is it ever okay to bring up or criticize dead heroes when they're not here to you know defend what they did or said always okay always (laughs) always <laughs> always uh and 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 the reason i say that is we, we got to be equal opportunity right i mean we can't call christopher columbus a you know rapist a, and, rapist and, yeah. and, and genocidal maniac yeah. and all this stuff that he did and criticize him we can't go back and criticize the founding fathers for having you know slaves and all this in in that uh, and and we want to go back and we want to r- criticize them, but then we say we can't criticize MLK for his infidelity and stuff. I think the the whole point of history is to be able to go back and look at it at it with an objective lens instead of the rose colored lenses that a lot of people try to have. You know, very soon after a person dies, or or you know, because they're caught up in in the emotion of it all, and so they they paint them very colorfully you know oh they ignore the bad stuff you know and and as you get more educated that's the whole beauty of it you you start to learn that they were there's some gray to it right they they mm-hmm. they did all this great stuff uh but they saved right they uh, or, or they raped but they saved but that that's really what it is it's like look you can do both you can do both you can do these great things <laughs> and and have some some bad things that you did in your past too uh, and I, and I, I think from a historical standpoint, from somebody that's trying to be objective with it, I think it's always okay to go back and call out the negative things that they did. Uh, and hopefully that doesn't diminish the positive things that they did at the same time. I, I agree with you. I mean, we have to look at it objectively to, I think on multiple levels for one, to show that the average human can do great things. You know, you don't want to turn this person into a deity where they they had no imperfections. Um, But to 
if you use that to try to tarnish their their legacy, there therein lies the problem. Yep. Um, we have to we have to look at history, um, like you said, objectively, and especially if their faults are part of why we admire them. Like we don't admire MLK because he he was he had. Yeah, <laughs> I never thought I would say that, but <laughs> but Christopher Columbus, part of his legacy, part of why we admire them is how he got there. Like he, those things that that that's one and the same. He he he, I mean he raped and he pillaged. Back to that, right? Like he they were doing, but that's how his legacy got built, and then we just kind of we kind of turned his legacy and we just switched the words and made it all pretty and all this stuff. But when these conquerors were coming, they conquered lands. They were killing people. They brought plagues and war to people's homeland. That's how he got here. That's how, you know, but at the same time, we have to acknowledge that that's part of his story. You know, um, and yes, the United States wouldn't be here if that yeah, didn't happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm so, saying like, yeah, yeah. It's part of his story. It was a, a huge character flaw. It was a huge flaw of the times with colonizers, but that was just that's who he was. So we have to the part that he played in conquering America. We have to acknowledge, and I guess the depending on who you're asking, the good that came from that. But we have to we have to admit that I mean there was to do this. There's some things that had to happen, you know. I I love both of y'all answers, um, and it's also why I kind of because I know it's become popular to on Columbus Day criticize him and and say all the things he did. I'm one of the ones I I don't partake in that, and it's because I look at it as you know because white people already try to whitewash what. MLK did, but you know they started on MLK. They started bringing up, well, you know he was and this, that, another. I'd be, I'd be probably ready to tussle. So I, I just, I let that be. I like what you and Razio said because I think it's important to bring up these flaws and things like that, so people in the present can know that they don't have this impossible legacy to try to live up to. You know, like. We always, you always hear the main reason most diets fail is because they try to do this thing that they can't sustain for a lifetime. It's something they can keep up for maybe a week or two and then they fail at it. I don't want that to become what, you know, our heroes of the past are, something that you try to live up to and, and just feel like you can and wind up failing. Like they were average people. Martin Luther King was young. Like, I think people forget that, too. That brother was young as hell doing some of that stuff, man. So um, it's just a question that I, I've always wanted to ask because I remember when I first started hearing people bringing that up, I kind of, like, recoiled a little bit. Like, Damn, what what's wrong with y'all? Why are y'all doing that? But I think, Ferg, you said it best, or maybe it was rising. Don't use it to, like, tarnish their legacy. You can use it to tell the complete story, but... You know, their greatness outweighs their flaws. We're all flawed. We all have things that we don't want the world to know about us. So I think overall they did some he did some great things and a lot of other heroes as you can name did some great things, but they were flawed. They did some wrong things. They weren't perfect. And that, that's the bigger problem because the people who are saying that are the people who like they're intentionally trying to discredit. And I yes. think that's part of the situation. We've become so accustomed to discrediting people. Um, even if you don't like them or, you know, if this person has a good point, he can have a hundred speeches, but if he comes out and makes a good speech and a good point, you got to like, he had a good point. Mm-hmm. But you know, in today's well, ah, you know he can, you know, clocks once, uh, right twice a day, twice yes, a day. Right. Exactly. clocks right twice a day. He's like, okay, dude. Like, we don't always have to just live in the moment. I'm not telling you to become a follower and subscribe to his church or mm-hmm. do all this stuff. Acknowledge what this person did. Move on. If they've done more harm than good, we can talk about that. Mm-hmm. But at the same time. Let's not just automatically find ways to detract or belittle or beguile somebody 
um, for being human. And I'm not saying it gives you an excuse to, you know, do this because to me, the best example of all of this is Dr. William Cosby. Like mm-hmm. it, we still like there's still so many mixed in our time period. There's so many mixed emotions about what this guy, who he is and what this guy has done. You know, hell, I wouldn't probably have been went to FAMU if it wasn't for him in a different world and stuff like that. He did some great things. Now, this dude still was trash. He was he was evil and manipulative. You know, like he did some stuff that just is probably unforgivable. But at the same time, you we have to talk about everything, you know, so. Don't put R. Kelly in there, though. (laughs) No, (laughs) no. Oh man! All right, fellas, let's go ahead and do this. Uh, let's close it on out. That was a good question. That was a quick question. Yeah, yeah, we yeah, did. Was, it was. Good. So, who wants to close us out? Um, I, I can go first. Um, t- two things really. Um, the biggest one is uh, Kenyatta, my my cousin, uh, that lost her daughter Kaylin in the car accident. Um. I just want to reach out every all our listeners out there. If you know anything about it, she's still trying to look for kind of what happened and the facts on it. Uh, we're hearing a lot of stuff about Mobile police officers bumping the car and making it spin out, but Mobile's not releasing any of the information, no cell phones, that type of thing. So it's it's just a whole lot going on. They're saying that they're still investigating it, but it was in Pritchard's jurisdiction. So was, it, was there a dash cam? That's what we don't know. They, okay. they they won't release it to us uh and so you know if you know anything continue to uh, keep pressure on there there was a uh, a news article uh on the 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 news i can't remember what station down in mobile uh, they did some interviews on uh thursday about it so we're keeping the pressure on but um if anybody knows anything please come forward you can hit up kenyatta on um facebook just dm her uh and and she'd be happy to get any information or you can send it over to three brothers no sense as our listeners will get it over to her as well so if you know anything about what happened that night uh please you know reach back out to us let us know um and the other thing i just want to call out florida one more time we love to talk about florida uh, but now they are trying to cancel african-american studies so um an ap ap african-american studies yeah yeah so once again it's I, I they're trying to erase our legacy like you talked about you know being able to criticize uh what's happening but uh are the heroes but at the same time we got to learn about the heroes right uh and we got to make sure that people understand that african-american studies and african-americans are part of our history in this country uh and so i'm really troubled by that one but it's once again it's it's one of those things that I, I just I don't understand how you can live in that state and let things like that happen and and, and but it's it's that dynamics that's happening there um especially with the Latin community right like if they're they're voting Republican right now these things are happening but what happens if you know I, I don't know if they have Latin studies or whatever and maybe that's why they really don't care because they're like oh well we don't need we don't have one they don't need one either uh, but I, I I think it, they can start erasing your history if they start erasing ours. That's really, you know, what I think about that. Um, good stuff. I believe Governor DeSantis said that um, they will revisit it, but as of now, they felt like it was a made-up course and it's not AP certified level, whatever, something like that. But uh, they they voted for him, so that's what they wanted, man. Um. All I got is uh, one. We've been saying we've been sending a lot of prayers to Demar Hamlin, rightfully so. Continue to pray for him because even though he's conscious, doctors are saying that he has a long way, a long road ahead of him. Uh, but I also want to send prayers out to uh, former running back Peyton Hillis, who uh, I believe he saved one of his kids from drowning, and in the process, uh, I don't know if he nearly drowned or something, but he's been hospitalized. And also, uh, Jeremy Renner, a.k.a. Hawkeye, uh, had a snow plowing uh, accident where he was helping someone. And I believe like the, the the plow ran over him or something like that while he was helping the people. So he's been hospitalized since, uh, I believe, December. He's doing better, but uh, prayers to uh, those gentlemen as well. Also, the sneaker ball. We try to tell y'all. We try to tell you. They completely sold out. So hopefully 
you were one of the lucky people that moved and got your ticket ahead of time. Um, I think people, there are a couple of people that are reselling some of the tickets, so you may have to, you know, pay that StubHub SeatGeek type price for them now, but that's on you because we try to tell y'all, and last but not least, you've been hearing Ferg at the beginning of the show say it's a barbershop style type of podcast. And just to be clear, you know, when he says, when you hear the questions, we hear the questions. Some people were under the impression that we like, you know, hey, this week I'm going to talk about that. And Rosie, you should ask this and Ferg, you know, everybody, each of us come up with our individual questions and we literally hear the question as you hear it for the first time. So when we're reacting, when we're answering, if you wonder why our answers aren't perfect, that's why we're thinking on the fly. We're like in a barbershop just shooting the shit, talking and answering uh, what's coming out the top of the dome. So just wanted to make that completely clear to everybody. But thank y'all for listening. All right. I appreciate that, Buff. Um, and you were talking about prayer, so I'm going I'm to go with this. So if any of our listeners are members of the New Globe Baptist Church in Atlanta, uh, Georgia... <laughs> Send me the address. I'm coming. <laughs> we would love to hear from you. We've had discussions on religion and the part of Christianity in the in the black community today. And we would love to um, hear and see what you guys have to offer. So once again, any members of the New Glow uh, Baptist Church in Atlanta, Georgia? Three brothers, no sense of looking for you. And with that being said... Three Brothers No Sense, your favorite barbershop style podcast, Six Rules of Podcast. Listen, like, share, subscribe, comment, and most importantly, listen again. Talk to you next week.